Okay, so we're about five minutes away from showtime. Do you do you have everything? I think I think we do. We have uh, we have the dice. Okay. Uh, we have the temporary tattoos. They they don't really have a sound effect. Maybe here I'll you fake it. I'll do. Uh, I have the temporary tattoos. So we're a duck. Uh, do you have a collared shirt? I I do. Also doesn't have a sound effect. It's okay. And then uh, I think all we need then is a moist underarm and a human hand. Those are uh, those are easy to find around here. All right, we'll get all that together and we'll be right back after the news. You're listening to How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. And as you know, clothes are really expensive. But you need clothes to cover your naked body. Chris here has a tip. I do. I've been uh, buying children's clothes in the Ralph Lauren section for boys for many, many years, (laughs) since I was a boy myself. So uh, I hate to ask this question, but tell us about your physique. Oh, it's, it's okay. I love talking about it. I am about 5 foot 10 inches. And currently about 180 pounds, but sometimes that hits up to 200. I haven't been eating meat recently, but uh, I'm a, a fairly big boned. Wait a minute. So you're, that's, a, that's a normal adult uh, male size. Absolutely. I think about just about as normal as it gets. So what, what size uh, children's clothes are you buying? Well, I think, you know, typically with the children's, it's got to be XL. Uh, <laughs> with Ralph Lauren, there's rarely a double XL, but, you know, that, that'll generally work. Uh, in a men's, I'm a medium. You no, know, in the past couple of years especially, I have uh, nephews who I've been shopping for in the kids' section. And every now and then you're in there, there's a good deal, and you try it on. Sometimes you've got to sneak it out to the adult section so you don't look weird, but uh, <laughs> it works. Wait, so uh, uh, that's what I was going to ask you. So when you see a, a nice extra-large kids' item that you want to try, d- what do the salespeople say to you? I have yet to come clean with a salesperson and tell them that I'm shopping for myself in the kids' section. And how much would you say you save adult hoodie to child's XL? See, that's the thing. is it's a, it's a huge savings. It's not just a little one. So let's start with a button-down. You know, your typical uh, Ralph Lauren men's button-down, or you know, something that your uh, average person might wear to work, maybe with a tie, you know, that's really going to run you in excess of $100, up to $150, $175. Uh, the kids' ones, which are made in-house, they're not farmed off to some... Uh, you know, some other company that just uses the label. You know, those are all about fifty dollars. Wow. So, uh, so what about pants? I don't. I don't even go there. I have a a, a big ass. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think about uh, like I I dress pretty casually most every day, but once in a while I'll I'll dress up. I'll have to wear a suit, or I'll just you know wear a shirt tucked in. And when I do that, I feel different. Like I feel a little older, a little more professional or like more confident maybe. Do you find when you're wearing uh, boys' clothes that you feel any different? I guess the irony would be that I'm also kind of a casual uh, guy working an uh, alternative newspaper in Boston. So, you know, it's a casual city, casual job. Uh, so when I'm dressing up and if I'm wearing a polo button-down, I'm actually, I, I ironically probably feel like more of an adult than I do on a <laughs> daily basis. <laughs> and what's nice is you can swap clothes with your nephews then. Oh, everything's a hand-me-down. <laughs> They're handing it down to you. Yeah. <laughs> All 
All right. Well, this is great. Thanks for the tip, Chris. Thanks a lot. Anytime. There, there may be a way to improve your restaurant dining experience forever. Kevin Pang is a food writer in the Chicago Tribune. He recently got a piece of intel from the inner sanctum of a fine restaurant. So, so Kevin, can, just uh, can you just tell us about what you found? Well, I had this eagle-eyed source who uh, he went to this kitchen at an unnamed fine dining Chicago restaurant, and he took a few photos for me. And one of them had my picture on it, and it said it pointed with several arrows that says Kevin Pang. And then also there was a below that was the sign, and it was it was a really interesting um, sheet that showed uh, the protocols of what you should do if you find a food critic in your midst, and it tells you how to spot a food critic, and then it tells you what to do if you find one. So can you tell us a few of the things that it it says uh, how, how to spot a food critic? Well, apparently, according to this restaurant, they say that if you are a guest who asks an inordinate amount of questions about uh, the concept of the restaurant, uh, you know, the history of the restaurant, about the chef, you might be a food critic. The one that I thought was most interesting was that if you are a single diner, like if you're, if you're not eating with someone else, if you're a single diner, there's a good chance that you might be a food critic because ostensibly there's no money in food media and you can only pay for one person. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if they identify you as a food critic, does the list say what you're supposed to do? It says, remain calm and composed. So uh, you can't do anything to give away. Uh, and then the next thing you need to do is you need to notify a manager immediately. And then the manager will then assign one runner who brings out the food, one server. And uh, basically, they assign you a team to make sure that you're uh, your dining experience remains consistent throughout. And, and the idea that uh, they have your picture on the wall and then they have this list, that uh, it suggests that uh, if you are a writer about food or a food critic, you're going to get maybe service that doesn't isn't what everybody else is getting. You know, a lot of if you ask a lot of restaurants publicly, they'll say that we treat every customer the same. And that's really a complete fallacy because it's not true. They do give food critics preferential treatment. So if I was going out to eat, do you think it it would work if I used these things? Maybe I paid a lot of attention, I looked around, I, I dined alone, that they might think I'm a food critic and, and give me you know the best of the best. I think if you just simply did that, that might not be enough. So let me offer you guys a few tips on how to be made a food critic when, in fact, you're not a food critic. Talk to your phone. Pretend it's a voice memo recorder. I do that all the time, but I try to do that in the restroom when they can't see or do that in the parking lot. But if you're talking to your phone, especially if you're a single diner, then you know that you're actually recording yourself and giving notes. Well, can you can you give me an example of like something that you might say to your phone as you're sitting there eating a salad or something? This is Kevin Pang, food critic at the Chicago Tribune, taking notes. The lettuce—it's uh, I noticed these are butter lettuce, perhaps not in season. The croutons, obviously made in house, although they're a little bit too crunchy for my liking. I would probably give this three out of four stars. So either you're uh, a food critic who's you know compiling notes, or you're a crazy loner who's talking to himself. Food critics are basically crazy loners, so it's really one and the same.
This weekend marks the first anniversary of a controversy at Violet Elementary School in Michigan. Specifically at the talent show from, from Violet School Elementary. It involved young Eric Henze back when he was a first grader. Eric and his mom, Emily, are online with us now. So, Emily, can you just lay out what happened? Well, my son came home from school with his talent show permission slip, and he said, Mama, I want to be in the talent show. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And he said, armpit fart. And I said, <laughs> okay, he's good at it, you know, it's not hurting anyone. So I filled the, the form out, and it, uh, I put body farts by Eric. And I got a call from the principal the next morning. She said she could not allow him in the show, um, that bodily noises were inappropriate. She's standing firm, and he's not going to be in the show. Oh, man. Well, uh, can we talk to Eric for a second? Sure. He's right here. Okay. Say hello. Hi. Hey, Hey, Eric. So tell us, uh, we hear that you are a pretty amazing uh, body farter, armpit fart. Can you tell us how you do it? I put my I put my hand up my shirt and I put it on my arm but work and then I keep on putting my arm up and down and it makes farting noise. Oh man. Where did you learn to do that? From Sebastian. Who's, oh. who's Sebastian? He's my friend. So do you do you practice it a lot? Yes. All right. And do you do it um have you done it in school before? Yeah. Really? Yep. So what happens when you when you try it out in school? If my friends only hear it, they'll say do it and do it again. I think it is a great injustice that Eric is not being allowed to perform at his talent show. He deserves a chance to shine. So we are going to have our own little talent show right here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the talent show to end all talent shows. And now from Michigan, a young man with a talent the likes of which the world has never seen. Young man, are you ready to show the world what you can do? Okay. Let's bring him on. Hi, my name is Eric Kenzie. And I am seven years old. Here's my armpit farting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, McDonald's had a E-I-E-I. And on their farm they had a E-I-E-I. With a there and a there, there and a. There, everywhere. Oh, McDonald's had a E-I-E-I. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is this all part of the act? <laughs> yes. <laughs> If armpits could speak, they would say thank you, Eric, for blessing us with your golden hands of music. (laughs) 
in every game of, of Monopoly ever played, at some point there was there was a bad dice toss. Maybe the dice falls off the table and you never know what was rolled. Yeah, or it leans against the side of the board and, you know, which edge should I should I read? Erin Eberhardt is an elementary school teacher in Gary, Tennessee, and she has a solution. I do. Um, well, actually, as a kindergarten teacher, I am constantly doing hands-on activities to keep my learners engaged, and a lot of things that we do involve dice. And normally each year I have 20-plus students in a class. You can imagine 20 dice going all over my, you know, tile floor. It can be quite quite loud and disruptive to, to other students. So I got the idea of using the little containers that come out of, like, the quarter machines that a child may buy candy in or bubble gum in or a bouncy ball in. So I started collecting those. Those little, uh, those little plastic bubble things. Yes, the yeah. little plastic bubble things that you get out of a quarter machine. So I started collecting those. I would ask people to send them in, or anytime I went to a restaurant and I saw those there, I'd stick a couple quarters in and, and get them out. And I started, you know, getting quite a big collection, enough to put one dice in and giving each child in my room one. So it would keep the dice from flying all over the room. When the dice lands, you need to be able to look through the little vending machine container and, and see what, obviously, number you landed on. I, I think about the machines where you get the, the little bubble things, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in the front of a Kmart or something or in, right. in a restaurant. Huh? And I, I think I, the only people I've ever seen uh, you know, getting the prizes out of them are, are little kids. Right. Do, do people ever look at you funny? Um, no. Well, I mean, most of the time I'm with friends and I'm explaining to them what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm doing this. And I'm like, oh, that's such a great idea. And, you know, I, I just, I'll buy a few at a time. Or, you know, if I'm, I have a nephew or, you know, anytime I'm out with my friends who have children, I'm like, okay, listen, I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to give you a quarter. You go and put that in the machine. You get whatever's in the little container, but I need the container. So it usually works out pretty good. So it's it's a bribing technique. So so when you're by yourself, and I've seen these things, there'll be like six, sometimes you know more than that at a station. Uh huh. What do you go for? Do you like want a sticker? Do you want a ring? Or when you're just by yourself, what's your preferred prize? Um, definitely the tattoos. <laughs> I like the tattoos. I, I got to say, between the tattoos and, and the dice, if if this kindergarten class ever, if you made a field trip to the casino, you guys would be all set. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm raising a future of gamblers. We heard from Dave. Dave says he listens to How to Do Everything while delivering pizza to uh, the hungry masses. Dave, these next 15 seconds are for you. Dave, you know what? Today, I say take your time. No, don't worry about 30 minutes or less. Get it there when you think it should get there. Like 40 minutes. Because I want the pizza to be hot. Keep the pizza hot, Dave. Sit on it. Another thing you could do is if you have a cat, uh, cats are warm, put the cat on the pizza. Just open up the box, put the cat right there on the pizza. That pizza's going to stay piping hot. It's a piping hot pizza you never want to eat.
So, so we should say before we take this call, we, we have a feeling that this uh, conversation is, is going to acknowledge the existence of, of sex. And if that's something you're uh, sensitive about, you might want to skip ahead uh, about five minutes. Yeah. Or turn the channel to the classical station. Yeah. Because, you know, nobody's f***ing on that station. Hey, Jeff, what can we help you with? Yeah, well, uh, I've been an editor for uh, an adult film company for six years. And uh, it's very hard to try and get another job when you all that's all you have to show people <laughs> of your work. Yeah. <laughs> so people, when you're applying for other film jobs, they'll want to look at your past experience, your reel. Exactly. And, and that's what yeah. you have to show. Yeah. Well, how, can I ask, how, how'd you get into the adult film industry? Well, I was uh, uh, working at Disney. <laughs> and, <Okay. laughs> and uh they went through a big thing where they were going to go all digital, so they got rid of their, they were cutting down their feature animation department. And so I decided to move to San Francisco and then uh, met a friend who was in this industry and said, hey, we're, we need editors really bad. Well, great. Hey, right out of school, got a job. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? Wow. <laughs> Is that a common path for Disney alone? No. Okay. No. <laughs> and My boss really liked it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. He thought it was great. <laughs> Do you I I I if you don't want to talk about it it's it's fine. I I am curious though. I think about like I you know I love I got into doing what I do cuz I love radio. But mm-hmm. you know a lot of times at the end of the day I don't want to listen to any radio. I don't I don't want to think about anything on the radio. I wonder like you're around all these images of sex all the time. Do you have to like kind of get it out of your head to have a normal life? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, the poor boyfriend. <laughs> he suffers because of this job. <laughs> well, so how do you, what do you do? How do you, or how do you, how do you, what do you do to take your mind off work or clear that mental space? I go home and watch like Downton Abbey and Disney <laughs> yeah. movies. And <laughs> so, that's funny. Downton Abbey is the anti-porn. It's the <laughs> antidote exactly. to looking at nude video all day. Yep. <laughs> well, well, this is interesting and, um, we really want to find a way to help you. We'll try and find somebody out there, yeah. Cool. That would be great. All right, Jeff, I think I think we have somebody who can who can help with this. Jenny Lawson is known as the blog S. And she worked in human resources for 10 years. So, Jenny, you have any advice for Jeff? Personally, I kind of think you can take any sort of job experience and make it go back to what you're applying for. So, you know, yeah, maybe you're making porn, but you're, you know, you have to use good decision making. You have (laughs) to um, meet your deadlines and work autonomously. And also, when it comes right down to it, there are so many people applying for the same job. You want to do something that stands out. So if you're like, hey, hey, how about that guy that did porn? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did Disney and porn. That's a weird combination. I mean, you know, obviously he can do like the full anything we ask he will do and not judge us. So what what were some of the, I don't know, stranger moments you you had with with candidates? Um, I, I had somebody come in and interview and he was so hot. He took his shirt off in the interview. (laughs) Just like, and I'm like, and all I can think is nipples. Like, that's it. That's, that's all I, I'm just, I'm just. What did you say to him? I, I, I didn't say anything. I just, I continued with the interview and, um, and it was really funny too, because I would always leave my door open whenever I would have an interview because you never (laughs) know, you know, what's going to happen. And, um, one of my assistants walked by at the time and, you know, I was, 
I don't know, like 26 years old and she was maybe 19 and she walked by and she sees this man who's probably 50 and is just naked from the waist up and and she just like stops and just looks at me like in, in his mouthing, do you want me to call security? And I was like, <laughs> no, this is going to be the best part of my whole day. No. <laughs> did you hire nipples? I did not hire nipples. You know, um, I I think about people, the, the message is always be as confident as you can. Do you, did you ever, did anybody, I don't know, ever kind of embarrass themselves with trying to fake confidence or trying to impress you? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I had one, I had one interview that was so completely bizarre that I wished that it was on camera because I, I really thought I was in candid camera. Um, the guy walked in, he had a Slurpee and uh, he put it down. He had his, um, his food from Whataburger and he started eating during the interview, and then he put his feet up on my desk while I was asking questions. Um, so that, yeah, he, he didn't get the job. Hey, Jenny, can I ask you, while, while we have you here, there's one question that seems to be asked in every interview, and that's, what are your weaknesses? The very best thing to say, and most people won't ask this anymore because people have a tendency to know what the, the really the best answer is. And the best answer is, I'm a perfectionist. Um, I work a little bit too hard. Um, I have a tendency to um, want to do, to take on a little bit too much responsibility. Basically, things that really, that, that people really want. Yeah. Um, and whereas really technically most people's weaknesses, you know, I play on the internet for an hour every day or um, I take really long smoke breaks. Those are the, <laughs> those are the real answers and probably the answers that the people that are interviewing you know are the real answers. But the thing is, is if you say what the real answers are, they're going to think that what the real, real answers are are so much worse because they expect you to lie. Right. So even when you're trying to be candid and trying to break the rules and not say you're a perfectionist, then they, all they're thinking is you never do anything. Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, thank you. And hopefully this will help Jen. Sure. Thanks for having me. That does it for today's show. What we learned today, Mike. Well, I learned that if I'm ever in a pinch and I need to find a new shirt, I can just hit the uh, extra large kids section. Yeah. The juniors. Yeah. I, I. How big do you think they make onesies? I think they make those up to uh, 700 months. I really would like to wear a onesie. The freedom of movement, convenience, it just looks cozy. I do think that there is there is some appeal to like uh, just those three snaps there at the bottom. Yeah, three three snaps between you and absolute freedom. Yeah, I, I learned that part of being in the restaurant business is it's like being a spy. Like you you're, you're tracking down people, you're, you're surveilling people, learning about their families. It really makes you think twice, maybe before making reservations. Like, what are they going to learn about me? Yeah, why did I go on Amazon and? Purchase the Idiot's Guide to Stealing Silverware from Restaurants. How to Do Everything is produced by Stephen Tobias with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Seth Kelly. He grew three inches this week. Yeah, we're not going to be able to use his clothes anymore. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And visit our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian Chillog. And I'm Mike Danforth. You say it. This is NPR. <laughs>